Welcome to Adventures in Evaluation Podcast with James Coyle and Kylie Hutchinson. Hi, I'm James Coyle. I'm an internal evaluator for a large regional health authority. And I'm Kylie Hutchinson. I'm an external evaluator. And here we are again for another episode of Adventures in Evaluation. And today our topic is... Budgeting. We had a request for budgeting for evaluations. But I just want to say you, you sighed a little bit. You sound a little tired. I do. <laughs> I do. You know, all week I've been doing an evaluation in an office. And normally I work at home in my pajamas and uh, all of a sudden, I've been having to dress up every day and be there at eight and leave at five. And uh, I, I'm in a kind of a kind of office where I wasn't even allowed to eat my lunch at my desk. You're dressing up. I mean, are we talking like pantsuits and shoulder pads here, or what? the real kind of culture there's the real corporate culture at this organization so on the one hand it's really exciting the evaluation that i'm doing for them because it's really well resourced and and everything like that on the other hand it's been a long time since i've worked in an office in an office environment i've got like one business suit because i work at home so i guess that's that's another difference between internal and external evaluators eh well, it is, except that I think for a while there, I just basically found, uh, you know, the dress shirt I like, the, d- the dress pants I like, they both happen to be black, and I bought five pair of each, and, you know, boom, good to go. So here's the question. Are, are evaluators, are they like senior managers where they have to, where you have to wear a suit and tie, or are you like the IT guy where you can wear the polo shirt and the jeans? Well, in our in our uh, corporate office, there is a dress code, um, and so actually because we live, I think particularly because we live in a really hot climate in the summertime, believe it or not, Canada has a desert, we're part of it here, um, we actually do have a slightly more relaxed dress code during the summer because it is so hot here. But yeah. once uh, Labor Day rolls around and uh, right up to uh, next spring, you know, no, the expectation is that you uh, wear at the very least business casual. I'll wear a tie yeah. depending on who I'm meeting with. Uh, I mean, I grew up wearing ties. My parents made me go to a Catholic high school, so I know how to tie a tie. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's um, it's really the tone, I think, that's set depending on who, who the boss is. And uh, particularly uh, some of our senior executive, um, uh, they don't always wear a tie. So um, it's I would not say it's casual, but I'd say that um, they definitely want to make it... Uh, uh, you know, a, a little bit uh, less uh, stuffy. Right, right. And I'm sure some of our listeners are thinking, wow, I'm really glad they're getting to these critical issues in evaluation. Well, you have to, as an evaluator, you have to budget, you know, for your uh, clothing. Um, but I was going to say, um, I mentioned, uh, you know, not being too stuffy at, at the office, but as you can probably tell, I've got a bit of a cold. Uh, the show must go on, but I'm sur- surrounded by all sorts of lozenges and, uh, uh, you know, we'll just have to uh, plow through, right? Right, right. Well, yes, you're you're a real martyr there, James. So, okay. <laughs> uh, you're bringing up the uh, the Catholic background again. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Why don't you start us off with um, some of the research you've done? I think you did some years ago on budgets for evaluation, didn't you? Well, actually, it wasn't years ago. I'm I'm developing this mobile learning for senior managers, uh, and I just looked at what there was out there on budgets and. You know, the the most that I could really find is, is there's a range. Ha ha, surprise. And that range went from 1% to 15% of a program budget. And um, I was a little surprised to see that. No, was I surprised? No, because the typical one when people would ask me, for example, if I'd be doing training on evaluation or something, people would say, how much? And I would say, well, 
you know, there's nothing hard and fast out there. I've heard 10% of a, of a program budget, but, you know, that's, that's just a kind of a rule of thumb, but it's kind of loose. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think I have this idea that uh, federal programs in Canada like you to add another 10% to the budget for the evaluation, but that, you know, I've never really confirmed that information. What do you, what do you know? Well, there's been, um, on our old friend, Eval Talk, there's been a lot of uh, chit-chat about it. And in fact, uh, for those who are subscribers, they know that once in a while, the um, the very kind and generous volunteer who runs the board has to hop on and say, listen, our lawyers have actually said we can't talk about budgets. I think it's oh. with, with price fixing <laughs> and what have you, but evaluators insist on asking the question and others find creative ways to try and you know still help each other and answer them without you know getting into price fixing i think i think the um the 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 two things that are probably going to be useful to some of our listeners are what you raised which is what's the percent yeah and uh maybe the other thing that could be useful we can talk a bit about are some of the elements that you still need to consider regardless of the percent when you're trying to help your customer decide how much it's going to cost for that evaluation right Right. So yeah. right off the top, um, you know, I too have heard these rules of thumb. You know, is it one percent? Is it fifty percent? I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Michael Scriven's uh, sort of uh, um, opinion on this, and basically he he stresses um, that uh, in one of his quotes from one of the Oval Talk posts, uh, I think it was um, this past July, he said that there's absolutely no good rule for direct costs for an evaluation. He means. As others have stressed, everything depends on what the client wants and how bulletproof they want their findings to be. He goes on right. to basically talk about how, you know, it, it really doesn't make any sense. And he likes the analogy of a, a client requesting a price um, for, you know, or a customer requesting a price uh, for uh, a good meal at a restaurant. And you can give them the menu, but it really depends on what they want to order really depends on, you know, if you're in San Francisco or if you're in some back alley restaurant, you know, the range of price really, really depends. And so it's, it's almost, um, it's, it's almost useless to even think too much about what percent of a budget there should be. Good evaluations can be done on 1%, particularly if it's a large evaluation, uh, or sorry, a large project. So 1% is a lot of money. Um, but you can also have a very small uh, program that fifty uh, percent of the budget might go to the evaluation. There really is no answer. No, you're you're absolutely right, James. And uh, you know what I often think about is that okay, if we if we use this ten percent rules, there's consider the resources that you have to evaluate a thirty thousand dollar program versus a three hundred thousand dollar one, right? It, it just there's clearly very little that you can accomplish with the three thousand dollar evaluation. Although <laughs> Lord knows I've done it, <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, there's definitely a minimum threshold. And, and, you know, for me, that minimum threshold, I'm not, I, I'm not even going to say what it is, but I remember at one AEA conference going to a session on, uh, it was something about how to do the evaluation on a shoestring. And I thought, oh, this is for me. Let's, let's go and see what I can find for my clients. And her minimum was 25000 And I thought, oh, my God, I'm doing a lot less than that for my clients. I, I, I like that, that, um, that uh, quote you said from Scriven where how bulletproof do you want your findings because I'll often present it to clients and say 
well, do you want the Cadillac? Do you want, you know, the Toyota Tercel? Or do you want the, the used beater? And um, I think they appreciate that. And, and I think that also helps them realize that, uh, you know, there isn't a standard way of doing an evaluation either. No, that's true. But there are a number of really good resources that, um, that we can point to and talk a bit about today that help people think through what those costs might be. Yeah, yeah. There's one, um, there's actually two that I'll put up on our website, adventuresinevaluation.podbean.com. Uh, so one is the uh, University of Western Michigan, and they have some really great uh, checklists on all sorts of things evaluation re related. And so they have one on how to develop an evaluation budget. So rather than kind of, you know, give you a guideline on a certain percentage, it, it details all of the different kind of costs and, and um, activities and things like that that you need to think about. And then another one that I know of, I have to find it, but it's in an international development context. And evaluation in that context is is you know, it has some extra things to think about. There's a lot of transport. You usually need a driver to take you somewhere. Um, you're often hiring interpreters and things like that. So, um, mm -hmm. so we'll put those up. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let's, let's go back. I've, I've got a copy of the checklist uh, for developing evaluation, oh, great. Uh, evaluating evaluation budgets. Um, it's by Jerry Horn. I think it's the 2001 version. And what I like about it is it's pretty comprehensive, but where it starts and yeah. in this case, for, for the American um, program evaluation standards, it starts with going back to what we as evaluators are supposed to hold on to as standards, uh, cost effectiveness, that the evaluation should be efficient and to produce information that's valuable, and that we actually are supposed to be fiscally responsible when we get a budget. Mm -hmm. So before we even talk about the budgets, um, it's important to remember that we're, in a sense, you know, having to manage budgets. And so we're on the hook to be responsible for however much money is set aside for us. But you know, when I when I hear that, James, I think, well, <laughs> I mean, I just never even have enough where responsibility enters into the equation, right? Like I'm just, I'm just. I, but I just you wouldn't go back to a customer and say, well, I know we agreed to, you know, I'll pick an arbitrary number, twenty thousand dollar budget, and then you submit a bill for fifty thousand. Oh no, of course not. Exactly, no. but but I'm sure others probably have done that. Um, if if there are changes, it's incumbent on us to have to go back and negotiate those or talk about that, and of course, you know, not lose sight of the fact that we, for whatever cost it is, um, we want it to be useful and effective. And sometimes that means having to walk away from the table if we think we can't do that. I suppose. So I guess I have a question for you then, as the internal evaluator, um, when I when I uh, sign a contract with a client to do an evaluation, I basically produced a proposal and I've said, look, this is what I can do for 20,000, 15,000, whatever. And, and, you know, I, I've kind of told people before that I tend to focus on smaller kind of community-based organizations. If, if I find the evaluation is kind of spiraling upwards, I generally, as a consultant, I have to eat that cost. Now, can you do, you, if you find the same thing, can you go back to your management and, and say, look, we need to amend this? Well, it depends. The classic sort of evaluator's line, right? Um, as an internal <laughs> evaluator, uh, you know, my approach has been sort of to have a, a sort of a mixed model where, 
you know, we're hired as internal staff. We're, we're retained in a sense as internal consultants. And so our budgeting sort of comes every fiscal year uh, where we actually go back and discuss with senior executives, what are the priorities that we should be working on? Because we have a limited number of people that can roll up our sleeves and actually do evaluations. Part of that budgeting also includes how much of our time uh, are we going to spend enabling others by, you know, running them through a training, uh, you know, course to, to help them do their own evaluations? And how much of our time will we budget or protect to do ad hoc consultation? The example you asked about is, you know, is a good one, though, too, once we actually get into a big project and we find, you know, halfway through that the client's needs, um, not just their wants, but their needs uh, for certain kinds of evaluation have changed and we need to modify the evaluation plan. We have had that. We do need to go back and negotiate that. So just because we're internal, um, the, one of the first things that I've always found helpful to do, though, is make it clear that there's still sort of a contract. We have an evaluation plan, a work plan, deliverables are identified, and where needed, uh, we do identify if we're going to have to charge, uh, in this case, their, you know, their program's cost center for travel, etc. And on occasion, if things change, we need to go back and renegotiate that. The challenge for us, though, is that if we have a limited number of people, you know, we're essentially capped. Um, I, w I don't know uh, how we'd say we eat the cost. I mean, I suppose maybe we do work on the weekends, right? And we don't charge for it. But there are times clearly where we say, listen, we actually need much more money. And if you're interested, we'll need to actually post for a position if you want us to supervise them as an internal evaluation team. We'll need to see if you have, you know, assemble a budget for, you know, your evaluation and then use that money to hire someone new and bring them into the organization for, you know, uh, whatever length of time is needed. Mm -hmm. So just to kind of make it a bit more real for those of uh, those of us out there, uh, including a couple of emails we got who said, well, what, what goes in an evaluation budget? I like the, um, the University of Western Michigan example you, uh, that you cited because, um, and we will post this as you said, there's all sorts of basic considerations that they run through and suggestions on actually how to format that with lots of great templates. Um, but basically, you know, what's important for us to think about is what are the people costs going to be, the personnel costs, travel I mentioned, supplies and mm -hmm. materials. That could be anything from, you know, what we're going to need to run a, you know, a facilitated uh, focus group or what we're going to need uh, for printing reports or, you know, or producing uh, posters for conferences related to that. Communications, if we're doing uh, long distance, uh, you know, Skype, video conference or other things. Uh you know, equipment costs, whether or not we actually have to bring in specialized consultants. Although we're internal evaluators, we're not specialists uh, if we're involved in uh, certain kinds of projects. We need to align ourselves with content specialists. They either need to be found and budgeted uh, within our organization. In other words, you know, they're on loan to us and someone else is eating that cost, or we need to actually secure them and sometimes what's called backfill that position. So if we're doing a, you know, a, uh, an evaluation in lab uh, and we need a lab technician who really knows the ins and outs of that, I don't know that. And if I can't learn it, you know, we, we need that other person as a resource, as a critical lens. And then uh, very last but not least in our own case, we still need a desk to work at. You know, that office you talked about, we still need a computer, a phone, etc. So mm -hmm. kind of the boring laundry list, but, you know, it starts to add up. And as an internal evaluator, one of the things that we get a little spoiled sometimes is thinking, 
I don't really need to think about all that because I have this, you know, full-time job and, you know, any supports I need come from the mothership organization. When you're a consultant like you, you probably really have to be careful because if you're not, you might eat a lot of these costs, as you said, eh? Yeah, and I, I years ago I put together a kind of a, a budget template, and uh, I what I've done is I've just listed everything that I've ever had to account for or, or, or itemize in a in an evaluation budget, and so when I'm putting one together for a proposal, I can go through and go honorariums. No, I don't need it in this one. Or travel. Yeah, I do need it in this one, and it kind of cranks everything out, and and it's really helped uh, narrow it down. Now, do I get it perfect every time? No. I mean, there's been times when I've made $200 an hour on a contract, and there's been times when I'm I'm down to 10 bucks an hour on a contract. Oh. And, you know, I, yeah. And, I mean, I'm certainly getting better over the years, but there's times when I when I call it badly. And, and, and what I like to think happens is that the ones where I kind of score big, they subsidize the ones where I miscalculate. Or, I mean, I also work on a sliding scale, so those ones can – help me do more for the for the smaller organizations but i i just wanted to add a few more variables that people probably need to think about when they're putting together their budget and and is one is the type of evaluation that you're doing so typically we might see a process evaluation costing less than doing an outcome an evalu- outcome evaluation also uh, this idea is in an internal or an external evaluator and then in terms of the intervention is, is a, how many sites are you do you have to visit how many clients or participants how many different stakeholders are really in in the mix and how long for example how long are you going to do follow up for are we talking weeks days months years so that just actually you know reminded me of an example in reverse do you ever have people come to you and say hey listen i got 10,000 bucks what can i get for it Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that because that is actually my preference. And I would have to say that the majority of, uh, I mean, the majority of my contracts, just somebody calls me and and, uh, and that, uh, one of the first questions I will ask them, well, we, we listen to the, you know, I listen to the scope and all that. And then one of the first, que- first questions is, okay, you know, do you have a budget for this? And it is so much easier for the evaluator when when they can actually state a budget. Because again, back to that comment about, do you want the Cadillac? Do you want the Toyota Tercel? Or do you want the beater? Uh, and, and I'm often holding my breath until I hear what they have to say. Because if they say, oh, we have 25,000, then I go, oh, thank God, we can do a decent evaluation. And if I hear them say, oh, we have $7,000, I think, oh no. And then of course, you know, all this kind of guilt about, you know, what will all of my colleagues in the AEA think? Because, you know, am I doing crappy evaluation? But meanwhile, the, the need is out there. But anyways, for anybody who's putting together an RFP, I think there's a lot of consultants out there. And I like to think the majority of consultants and firms will say, please specify a budget. And then we will tell you what we can do for that. Don't make us guess, right? Don't make us guess how many you know, interviews or, or whatever. It's, it's, it's really, really frustrating. And I think that uh, for, uh, organizations get a much better proposal when they can specify that, that budget. I don't know. Would you agree? Or? I do agree that it's probably a bit easier in the sense that it 
certainly bounds the conversation for starters. Um, what I worry about in that case is, um, again, I think Scriven sort of makes this point too, is usually when you start asking a bunch of questions about how bulletproof do you want things, etc., people will start thinking a bit more deeply about what they really need. So I actually think before they put out an RFP for what they want with a firm dollar amount, I still think there's a lot of dialogue that needs to go back and forth uh, between the prospective evaluator and the prospective customer. A bit of a parallel to that, I know um, uh, an evaluator who's very well known, whose name I will try and not drop this week, has, <laughs> has also said uh, one of the related problems is if you have an RFP and it says, these are the methodologies that we want to use. Oh, God, that's horrible. So how how much do we as evaluators really want to see customers who may or may not know a lot about evaluation, who really haven't had anybody from the outside ask them uh, questions to help figure out what's going to be useful, prescribe ahead of time. So yeah. I'm a little leery of the prescription ahead of time, but I, I don't mind the challenge that uh, sometimes we see in a large organization where closer to the end of a fiscal year, uh, a team has budgeted well and maybe they have um, a little bit of a surplus and instead of you know spending it on you know uh, you know just whatever paint for the for the office they say you know we really would like to do an evaluation you know how can we stretch this out and so you know you can get creative with it when I'm, I'm thinking about your comment about being too prescriptive and and now that I think about it the majority of my work comes I would say exclusively by word of mouth so what happens is so I'll say blah 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 what do you want okay yeah that sounds interesting da, da, da. what's your budget and they'll say oh we have 15,000 and um, I've been kind of surprised by I'll say I've been surprised a number of times I've gone back to them and said you know what you're looking for we can't really do it for that amount and instead of them kind of blowing me off I've always been surprised with the numbers saying oh Oh, okay. Well, um, so what do you think we do need to do this? And I realize, oh, you just pulled that number out of a hat. <laughs> you just got a guest. <laughs> yeah, and and that's that's the whole point about avoiding quoting a single figure up front, which is Scriven's uh, advice to both us as evaluators, I think, but also to program. So don't start there if you can avoid it. Yeah, I remember doing an evaluation for the RCMP in Canada, which is our kind of our national police force and uh, I think we started I think they first came to me you know with figure A and and two months later she was bending over backwards to you know get to, to figure C because the more we got into it the more she realized the value of spending the money and resourcing this evaluation properly and and uh, so that was always a really good lesson you know i think of i think of this learning that i i used to you know, i was a ski bum in whistler for a year and this was a long time ago in my 20s and i used to work in this ski store and it was a high end ski store and People would come in and say, uh, I need a pair of gloves. And me being me would say, oh, okay. And I'd take them to the lower end of the rack. And I'd always be surprised by these people saying, oh, um, do you have something a little bit better? And it took me a few months to realize, oh, uh, you know, I'm selling these people too short. And uh, so it's a little bit, I've, I've found that a little bit with evaluation when people, I mean, sometimes the budget is fixed and the budget is fixed, but when people start to understand what it can do for them and also what's involved, 
been I've been surprised how they've been turning over rocks and finding little pots of money here and there. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, and to date we've we've used the term budget related heavily to finance, but I think an equally important and related uh, driver is budgeting the amount of time it's going to take to mm. do any of this, and that's to some extent really where um, you know the nitty gritty. Uh, as one of my favorite characters, Nacho Libre, would say, getting down to the nitty gritty. That's uh, <laughs> that's that's really where it gets hardest to teach others how to do as well. Um, you know, when when people say, "Well, it's a four-year program, so how much are we going to need in three or four years?" You know, it's um, it's a budget for this next year. It's your best guess for the future years. I think the 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 advice I would give to most groups that are doing multi-year valuations is to to reconsider that budget at least once a year. Do you think we've covered off enough of uh, budgeting for valuations? Well, you know, if we haven't, I would urge our listeners to let us know what we've missed and, uh, you know, give us some comments or uh, what what else uh, do we need to talk about with evaluation budgets because uh, it's an important thing, but it, it can be pretty vague out there. Well, I, yeah. think, uh, I think that's all we can talk about for, for budgets today. <laughs> <laughs> Time for me to get another lozenge and maybe for you to get some sleep. Okay. All right. So, uh, folks, if you um, if you want to listen to us in iTunes, you can find us there. Or you can also, uh, uh, what else, Le- uh, leave us your comments at the end of this episode, adventuresinevaluation.podbean, like the vegetable, dot com. And uh you can also send us a private email with any topic ideas and uh, shout-outs to the people who have done that. That's great. You can see on our coming up page on our website that uh, we uh, we are definitely taking your suggestions seriously. So that address, uh, e- uh, James, I'm too tired to remember it. What is it? Adventures in Evaluation Podcast at gmail.com. Oh, you see, and you just sound so much more like the Midnight Radio host. I'm getting the Barry White voice. That's the second phase of the sore throat. Oh, and that is my cue to go. <laughs> All right. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.